everybody welcome to trek trek i'm your host justin chang and with me is randy nelson here as always reporting for duty captain on the bridge (laughs) (laughs) wait that makes it sound like i'm the captain you're the captain i'm the captain oh cool okay um wow uh what am i going to do as my first act as captain um i don't know i guess oh i know i'm gonna put a replicator in every quarter Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll have to go back to Space Stock to get that fitted, though. So, ah, never mind. <laughs> hey, how's it going, buddy? Uh, pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of a quiet week, um, mm-hmm. which was nice. It was a yeah. welcome. Well, we have to get ready for uh, what we're doing this coming weekend. Yeah, we're going to go to Fanime in San Jose, California. If If you couldn't tell from the name, it is for fans of anime faname faname yeah. <laughs> fans of anime yeah basically. it's a anime convention that's been going on for a long time yeah uh, i haven't been for years and years oh really and oh. you haven't been at all never been there so i wonder if we're gonna see any star trek cosplay uh probably not nah. don't know how much uh, star trek anime there is out there or star trek manga i don't know uh, anime star trek series that would be pretty cool yeah. yeah, we're always coming up with stuff like that where it's like, oh, yeah, there should be a point-and-click adventure, start, <laughs> new new point-and-click Star Trek adventure game. There should be uh, anime, manga. We we just basically want there to be more Star Trek. Pretty much. They <laughs> could take the uh, animated uh, animated classic Trek and mm-hmm. then just redo the animation in anime style. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. I, I could get down with that. Um I think it's a it's about high time that uh maybe if we we run into the right people there we can convince them to uh to make a uh TNG based anime. Mm. Because we have so much sway in the this oh, world. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> no, but it should be really cool and it's it's sci-fi adjacent, right? Sure. It's sci-fi anime. Um but now we're here to talk about the men and women of a Definitely not animated Star Trek series. Yeah, the crew of the NX-01 Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Star Trek Enterprise. We're going to talk about two episodes. Mm-hmm. This uh, is and, our first twofer episode. And this is uh, going to be kind of the regular thing from now on, I think. Yeah, yeah we're going to do double headers uh, every week. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the penultimate episode of Season 1 mm. uh, first. Season 1, episode 25, Two Days and Two Nights. Uh, original air date, May 15th, 2002, which is pretty close to where we are in real life. Uh, it's May 18th, 2015 right now. Yeah. So, Two Days and Two Nights, wasn't that uh, this this episode, it it was something with um, Harrison Ford and, oh no, that was a movie. Was yeah, Six Days, episode. Seven Nights, I think something it was called. like that. Yeah, no, definitely not the same thing. Although um, we'll have to discuss later which of the two was a better experience. <laughs> oh, All right, take it away, I'm buddy. I'm thinking it might be the movie. Yeah. Um, episode starts with the captain's personal log, February eighteenth, twenty one fifty two. 
The Enterprise has finally made it to Ryza after yeah. two episodes of trying to get to Ryza. Yeah, this is the third episode in the grand uh, Risa arc <laughs> of Enterprise Season 1. Not really. Uh, Archer is walking down the hallway with T'Pol. He's making sure that everything is taken care of while he goes on his trip. Uh, he feels guilty about going down to the, quote, pleasure planet while half the crew stays on the ship. Tabal explains that lots were drawn and he had the same chances as everyone else. Mm. And she insists that he needs a vacation. I'm thinking maybe she rigged it. <laughs> yeah, very possible. She keeps going on and on about how he needs a vacation. So, uh, Porthos is very eager to go down to the planet. Oh, right. He's going to go. He's probably excited that, uh, they have some alien forms of cheese that he can't <laughs> eat. In the launch bay, uh, crewmen in casual clothes are loading up into shuttle pods. And Trip, clad in his Hawaiian shirt, says that he'll bring T'Pol a souvenir as he climbs aboard the shuttle pod. Opening credits. When the episode returns, the two shuttle pods fly down to Ryza. Uh, cut to one of the shuttle pods, which contains, a, uh, contains the pilot, Archer, Mayweather, Trip, Hoshi, and Reed. Uh, I made a note. You would think maybe more crew members would be aboard at once since supposedly half the crew is going down to Ryza, but. <laughs> maybe they're making multiple shuttle trips. Yeah, maybe. Mm, it seems kind of dangerous, and maybe this is just me being kind of paranoid, but to have like all the senior staff in one shuttle pod. Yeah. In yeah. In case something happens. That seems to happen a lot in this show, though. True, true. Uh, Mayweather plans to go rock climbing. Mm. Uh, Reed and Trip are planning to, quote, broaden their cultural horizons. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, dear. Uh, Hoshi asks if that's all they think about. <laughs> she plans on brushing up on her translation skills. Uh, she doesn't want to rely on the universal translator, so she left it back on Enterprise. And Archer and Parthos are going to hang out in a villa by the ocean. Uh, meanwhile, T'Pol, Flox, and Crewman Cutler. Remember Crewman Cutler? We haven't seen her in a while. Yeah. Uh, they're in sick bay. Uh, Flox is going into hibernation for two days. Flox tells T'Pol that Crewman Cutler will take care of any medical issues, but they can wake Flox up if it's a real emergency. Yeah. So they're implying that his people don't sleep, right? Yeah, they have to hibernate for six days out of the year. Oh, okay. So this is kind of part one of three. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was part five and six out of six. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, yeah, it seems weird that there's only one doctor aboard this ship, but sure, whatever. Uh, and they don't have an emergency metal, medical hologram, so. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, back on Ryza, Archer checks out his villa and is impressed. Uh, he sees a note from T'Pol that says, to help you relax. Uh, her gift is a book, The Teachings of Sirach. So basically, um, she wants him to be put to sleep. <laughs> you know. He, he's going to relax by falling asleep reading a Vulcan book. <laughs> he'll, he'll get some rest at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, Archer heads out to the deck and hears a dog barking. The dog belongs to a blonde woman who is staying in a villa below his. Hmm. Yeah, kind of across the way, right? And down a level or two? Yep. 
Uh, elsewhere, Trip and Reed are in a club. They look like Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan from A Night at the Roxbury. Oh my gosh! Can just for a second, their outfits, they especially Trips. It kind of reminded me of when they would show the original series crew in their casual clothing in the movies, like how they have those like space space leisure suits with bell bottoms. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, Anyways. definitely. Um. Trip and Reed get drinks, and Trip toasts to them, and to a well-earned two days and two nights. The name of the episode. Yeah. Basically, a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> the crew gets a weekend off. Back at Archer's villa, it's nighttime, and Archer is reading a book as Porthos tries to sleep. Uh, Porthos's ears perk up as he hears an, uh, the other dog barking. Uh, as Archer goes to refill his drink, the two dogs bark at each other. Uh, it turns out the other dog has somehow gotten on the deck, and the two dogs are growling at each it's other. A flying dog. Sure. Uh, yeah, somehow it got up there. Uh, the doorbell rings, and Archer scoops up Porthos and answers the door. It's the blonde woman from before. Uh, she's looking for her dog. The woman's name is Kayla. Uh, Archer invites her to dinner that night. She declines, but they make plans for the next day. At a restaurant, Hoshi is sitting alone and is flexing her language skills with a nearby Ryzen couple. Mm-hmm. The couple is happy to see someone bothering to learn the language, but they have to leave for the Festival of the Moons. A man sitting at another table uh, another table behind the couple creepily watches as Hoshi was <laughs> speaking to them. <laughs> After the couple leaves, the man walks up to Hoshi. He speaks Ryzen, though he's clearly not Ryzen. Uh, he introduces himself as Ravis. He asks if she can learn his language. Uh, it's so difficult, he says, that even his own people can't speak it properly. Okay. Uh, and he invites her to dinner. So it's kind of like English and Americans? <laughs> Whoa! Sorry. Oh, boy. Uh, back in the club, Trip and Reed talk about how Vulcans mate every seven years. Trip doubts that even T'Pol could make it that long. Trip spies two Ryzen women behind them. They walk over to Trip and Reed. They introduce themselves as Dion and Latia. Uh, Reed invites them to drink. Reed tells them that they're from Earth, a planet the two women have never heard of. But they want to ensure that Trip and Reed's first visit to Ryza is memorable. Uh, meanwhile, Archer is out on his deck when Kayla calls out to him. He was looking up at the stars. Uh, she wants to see what he was seeing, so she goes up to his villa. He thanks her for her recommendation for the dinner spot on a boat, and she apologizes for making him eat alone. Uh, using the telescope, Archer shows Kayla Earth's sun, which is about 90 light years away. Archer wants to see where she's from, but Kayla claims that she has a bad sense of direction. Uh, she couldn't even find, find her way through the lobby or something. Hmm. That sounds like, uh, Risa might be a dangerous place for someone like that. <laughs> Back at the club, Trip and Reed tell Dion and Latia about when they were marooned in the shuttle pod in the episode Shuttle Pod 1. Mm-hmm. Reed tells Trip to tell them about when he saved the ship in his underwear in the episode Acquisition. Yeah, I liked the little callbacks there. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to see there's a, some sort of continuity. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Trip slips up and says that he saved the captain's life after he had already told Dion and Latia that he was the captain. Uh-oh. Trip then lies some more and says that they rotate the captain role and that Reed will be the captain next week. <laughs> uh, Dion and Latia invite Trip and Reed to see the subterranean gardens. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the four go down to a wine cellar uh, underneath the club. Dion and Latia ask about Trip and Reed's valuables. Suddenly, Dion and Latia morph into two male aliens that look a bit like bats. Yeah, they turn into Batman. Or the master from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they pull a gun on Trip and Reed and grab whatever valuables they have on them. They then decide to sell Trip and Reed's clothes. Just as Tripp is trying to talk his way out of this predicament, he and Reed get shot and knocked out. Hmm. On the bridge of the Enterprise, Paul gets a call from Mayweather. He needs a shuttle pod back to Enterprise because he had a rock climbing accident. Oh, he was so gung-ho about it, too. Yeah, poor Mayweather. In the launch bay, Paul sees the shuttle pod has returned and Mayweather has a brace on his leg and is being supported by the shuttle pod pilot and crewman Cutler. Paul asks why Mayweather didn't get treated on Ryza and he asks if she's ever been treated in an alien hospital. Uh, yes, in San Francisco, she responds. He replies that the people on Ryza had never treated a human before. He wants Phlox to treat him and is shocked to hear that Phlox is hibernating. Cutler says that she'll treat his broken leg, but he was also given uh, something that's making him have trouble breathing. Yeah, so he's basically having an allergic reaction. Yeah, to the uh, whatever hypospray they give him for the pain. Mm -hmm. In the wine cellar, Tripp and Reed wake up in their underwear. Their hands and feet are bound. They were unconscious all night, and no one can hear their cries for help because the club is closed during the day. Reed is surprised that the Vulcan database didn't mention anything about crime. Tripp admits that he read some warnings and he thought it would be okay. Reed wants to escape quickly so that they won't have archers seeing them tied up in their underwear. <laughs> in sickbay, Mayweather is having a bad reaction to the Ryzen painkiller, and he really wants to wake up flocks. Mm-hmm. At the same restaurant where she had dinner the night before, uh, Hoshi is having breakfast with Ravis. She still can't figure out his language after one day while he has learned English in the same amount of time. He says that English is simpler and that Hoshi is a good teacher. Very smooth. <laughs> uh, he asks what she calls the different foods that they're having for breakfast. There's a strawberry that Hoshi claims is not a strawberry, but it's totally a strawberry. And yeah, right. It's like, we have something on my planet like this, sort of like this. <laughs> it's like a slice, exactly. of, a slice of kiwi that is, she says is not a kiwi, but it's but it totally tastes a like kiwi. kiwi. It's like, um, I think they're just pranking you, Hoshi. They just replicated a bunch of Earth food. Yeah. Uh, Ravis says that the word kiwi in his language means something that he can't quite explain. So he wants to show her what it means, and then he kisses her. Because kiwi means kiss. But wait a second. He learned English, so he couldn't say, oh yeah, uh, in my language, kiwi, or whatever, however it was pronounced, is the same as kiss in your language. <laughs> he didn't know the word kiss, though. 
Oh, mm, okay. Now, I think he just wanted to plant one on Hoshi. Look, he's a smooth operator. True, true. Uh, Not a creep. <laughs> Ravis then invites her to go to the steam pools. Hmm. In Archer's villa, Archer 2 is having breakfast consisting of fruits. Uh, clearly, <laughs> again, earth fruit. <laughs> uh, the doorbell rings. Surprise, surprise. It's Kayla. Mm-hmm. She invites him to take their dogs to the beach. He invites her to share breakfast with him. And she flips through the teachings of Sorak book. Uh, Archer says that she knows all about him, but he doesn't know. He doesn't even know her dog's name. It's Rilo. Uh, she doesn't want to talk about herself because she doesn't want to spoil the good time she and Archer are having. She had a family, but all of them, her parents, brother, and husband, were killed by the Sulaban. Mm-mm. On Enterprise, Cutler and Depaul are attempting to wake up Flocks. He suddenly gets up and starts screaming in Denoglin. Then he <laughs> acts like a child. Uh, he finally gets his wits about him a bit and then throws a tantrum when he discovers that he hasn't hibernated for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. He then tries walking to sickbay, but he collapses on the floor. Yeah, definitely not Flocks' uh, best moment <laughs> there. Um I really was really hoping they wouldn't show this. <laughs> uh, in sick bay, Flox is examining Mayweather, though he is clearly not a hundred percent, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. He wants Regulin bloodworms, fresh ones, so he tells uh, the bridge to set a course for Regulus at war- maximum warp. <laughs> uh, so Paul and Cutler try to escort him back to his quarters, but he insists on treating Mayweather. In Archer's villa, Archer offers to share some rice and wine with Kayla. She injured her ankle earlier due to a rice and sea turtle, apparently. Uh, mm. Kayla once again brings up the Sulaban. She knows that the genetic enhancements come from knowledge they acquired from someone from the distant future, and she wants to know what Archer knows about them and where they are. Archer sneaks off to grab a bioscanner from his bag. Then he offers to tell her what he knows while they take a walk on the beach. After she leaves to get warmer clothes for their walk, Archer calls to Paul and sends her a bioscan he took of Kayla. Later, Kayla returns to Archer's villa. Archer confronts her about being a surgically altered uh, Tendarin, last seen in the episode Detained. Mm-hmm. She plays dumb, so he tells her about Grat played by Dean Stockwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says he's all wrong and then pricks his hand with one of her fingernails. Archer loses consciousness. As Kayla leaves, she says that she can't have Archer interfering. In the club, Trip and Reed have broken free of their bonds by breaking a bottle that contained a smelly liquid. They walk through the club in their underwear. <laughs> In Hoshi's room, a naked Hoshi wakes up next to Ravis. She tells him that the shuttle pod's coming to pick her up. Not a long vacation, he says. She replies that she had two days and two nights. The title (laughs) again. Twice in one episode. (laughs) Two times. Two references for two days and two nights. (laughs) In Sick Bay, a somewhat loopy Phlox doses Mayweather. Uh, Mayweather thanks Phlox, but Phlox is already passed out on one of the beds in sickbay. Hmm. In Archer's villa, Porthos licks the unconscious Archer, waking him up. Archer rushes out to look down at Kayla's villa, but she's gone. The shuttle pod leaves Ryza. Oh, she notices the smell emanating from Trip and Reed, who are wearing bathrobes. 
Uh, Trip tells Archer that Ryza has a fascinating culture. Hoshi says that she learned several new conjugations. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, Reed asks Archer if he got a good night's sleep, to which Archer replies that he went out like a light. Trip tells Archer that instead of sitting around reading books, he should get out and meet new people. The shuttle pod approaches Enterprise as the episode ends. What? <laughs> Hearing you kind of, you know, go back through the events of the episode, I it it actually seems like even less happened <laughs> in the episode. And and I just so many questions. But I don't know if it's worth our time. <laughs> so many questions. The first one being why? Why does this episode exist? Right. Why because... is this why is this the penultimate episode of the season? Well, I mean, and it and it really seemed like there was going to be something there with uh Kayla. Right? Right. I mean, it has to be setting up something, I'm guessing, in season two. Um, but yeah, nothing came of that. She can't have him getting in her way, but he was leaving anyways. Um, uh, oh, another question. Where, uh, uh Trip, and, and this is gonna sound kinda inconsequential, but Trip and Reed's clothing, so, they didn't travel down to Ryza in those suits they wore to the club. Right. So, are you saying they didn't go back to their <laughs> room and change into clothing? That they went to the shuttle pod in ro- bathrobes? Maybe those uh, two thieves took their room key and stole all their stuff. <laughs> found out where they were staying and went and stole the rest of their clothes. Oh no, does that mean we're not ever going to see uh, Trip's awesome Hawaiian shirt again? <laughs> uh, I think we've seen the last of that. replicate one. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, they'll never go on vacation again. So, uh, folks out there can't tell. Uh, what did you think of this? It was uh, terrible. Quote, unquote, this, was a, this was a terrible episode. <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, I'm seriously. Their episodes were not as much. Not not as much as this has happened. I mean, we had the one um, about the strange new world where they went down and the spores made that made people hallucinate that there were rock people. I mean, technically, I think less happened in that episode, but it was still a better episode than this. Yeah, at least because there was a point. To exactly. It. <laughs> like this is just what what even happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know that there was a little bit of kind of. Um, what would you say? You know, the the Hoshi on the shuttle pod on the way down was was kind of like, oh, that's all you guys ever think about. And, it, you know, and so ironically, it ends up being Hoshi that uh, that hooks up on the trip <laughs> and not Reed and Trip. Right. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just a bunch of little things that none of which were satisfying at all. Yeah. You know? I would actually rather that this had been some sort of like um version of the hangover. That would be more entertaining. You know that they they're they're going down on this trip to Risa and then you see the um you see the aftermath and then they have to like go back through like a memory regression or something yeah. to find out what happened. That would be way more interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess if they ever bring Enterprise back, they know who to contact. You and I will <laughs> write we'll, we'll write said episode. And then there was just, and then the whole thing with uh, Mayweather and and uh, and Flocks. I mean, basically, you, you got to see an annoying side of Flocks, and then Mayweather had an allergic reaction. Mayweather had an allergic reaction, and then was being really stubborn about getting Flocks up. Yeah, I, I just, and, I didn't, I never thought that. For instance, I never thought that um, 
you know, Mayweather was really in any danger. Yeah, and it does not make sense that they only have one doctor for the whole ship, that they don't have any sort of backup. Well, they they do have his assistant. They have Crewman Cutler, yes, but, she's but then... she's not a doctor. Yeah, but she's... Yeah, exactly. And not going to be on the show anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she's on any more episodes, but... um, Yeah, it just seemed like none of it was really developed. It seemed like they had a bunch of ideas and they didn't really... um didn't really explore any of them. I mean, I would have thought of any of them, the, the weird kind of, um, uh, the one with, with Archer and the, and the woman who ended up being, I guess, one of the people from the prison planet. Um, well, I mean, she could just be another Tandaran. I mean, yeah, yeah. But we, we don't know why. Yeah, there were, there were just no answers. I mean, there, maybe there will be answers in a future episode, but for this one, I mean, it was just really not satisfying. I, I get that this was supposed to be a kind of lighter episode where it's like, oh, they get into all kinds of hijinks, but none of it was funny. No, the hijinks weren't any good. No. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah, definitely not, um, maybe my least favorite, favorite episode so far. Yeah, I would say so. And I think if you were to go back and listen to our, our commentary on the 23 other episodes we've watched to date, uh, I don't think you'll find that we've had such a negative reaction <laughs> to any of them. So hold us to it, folks. Yeah. Um, it's a real bummer. Um, yeah, we we want a refund on this trip. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, the next episode we'll talk about it's Shockwave Part One. Mm. Uh, right, but, we're gonna leave you guys on a cliffhanger. Sorry. Yeah, before we talk about that, let's take a little break. The Explosive Enterprise season finale. We came to meet these people, not kill them. Someone doesn't want your mission to succeed. All that they worked for. He's ignoring his responsibilities as captain. You're playing a very dangerous game. We'll come down to one defining moment. The mission's been canceled. Enterprise. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 1, Episode 26. The season finale, Shockwave. Part one. Oh man, we're here. We're finally here. It's been a long road. Getting from the pilot to here. <laughs> but yeah, we're at the season finale of season one. Um let's let's hear what happened. Original air date, May twenty second, two thousand two. Archer and Paul and Trip enter Archer's dining room and they have some coffee. They're talking about visiting a matriarchal society. Uh, T'Pol says that recently the Paragon males have made strides towards acquiring equal rights. Yeah. The place they are going to is a colony, and Trip wonders if in 20 years there will be Earth colonies out that far. Mayweather calls and tells Archer that the Paragons have given permission to enter orbit. A shuttle pod consisting of Reed, who is piloting, Archer, T'Pol, and Trip flies down to the planet. Reed has to be careful to close the plasma ducts in order to avoid igniting the atmosphere. Suddenly, there's a massive explosion, including a shockwave, that scorches the planet's surface. So basically what they were scared that they might do. Yes. Sounds like a dangerous place to visit. Uh, opening credits, when the episode comes back, Reed Flocks, who is tending to trip. Archer, Hoshi, and T'Pol are in sickbay. 
Reed insists that he close both plasma ducts on the shuttle pod. Hoshi tells Archer that the colony was annihilated in the explosion. Archer asks Hoshi if she's sure and if she's tried hailing the colony, but she tells him that there's absolutely nothing left. All 3,600 colonists are gone. So it's pretty dark stuff. Yeah. Really dark. Big contrast from the last episode. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that was the point of the last episode, though. (laughs) Yeah, get us ready. Yeah. Uh, You know, cheer you up before bringing you down. (laughs) On the bridge, Archer asks Paul if she's finished examining all of the shuttle pod sensor logs. She has two left. Archer asks Trip if the Enterprise's sensor logs can provide any answers. Trip tells him that the tetrazine levels were less than three parts per million, which is half what the protocol specified. Reed tells Archer that the flashpoint was directly under the shuttle, originating from the starboard plasma duct. So Paul tells Archer that the shuttle logs say that both ducts were sealed and locked, so Archer wants her to examine the logs again. Uh, Archer calls Admiral Forrest. He tells Forrest about the tetrazine, which is a byproduct of the mining operations in the colony. Exhaust plasma is the only thing hot enough to ignite it. Archer feels guilty. Uh, Forrest assures him that he followed the protocols and tells him that he needs to be strong for the crew. In sick baits, Paul tells Phlox that Archer is behaving erratically and illogically. Phlox explains that humans have difficulty separating emotional despair from responsibility. He tells her it's just human nature for him to feel grief. In his quarters, a clearly upset Archer scrolls through a list of the Paragon coldness. Hoshi calls and tells him Admiral Forrest is calling. On the bridge, Hoshi says that the atmospheric analysis from the probe is coming through. Reed examines it. Uh, he isn't happy. The atmosphere near the surface is filled with traces of borocarbons. Tripp explains that when tetrazine is ignited by plasma exhaust, traces of borocarbons are what's left behind. Reed again insists that the plasma ducts were locked down. Archer enters the bridge and calls to Paul and Trip to his ready room. In his ready room, Archer tells Trip and Paul that the mission's been canceled. Archer has been told that Ambassador Saval will use this incident to convince Starfleet that they need another 10 or 20 years before they try again. A Vulcan ship will come pick up uh, T'Pol and Phlox. Trip wants the fight to keep going, but Archer has given up. In the mess hall, Hoshi and Mayweather talk about what they're going to do next. Hoshi assures Mayweather that she can get her old job in Brazil back. Uh, Mayweather isn't too keen on going back to life on a cargo ship. Mayweather says that Trip told him that people back home think the Enterprise is just causing trouble out in space. Uh, Hoshi says she'll defend Archer in any language. In Archer's quarters, a depressed Archer is lying on his bed and playing with a water polo ball. T'Pol enters and provides him Reed's findings. There was an unidentified EM signature on the ventral hole of the shuttle pod. Archer doesn't seem to care. Uh, T'Pol asks if he's feeling sorry for himself. He says he's feeling sorry for everyone in Starfleet because he let them all down. T'Pol tells him that he has a responsibility to dispute the Vulcan High Command's recommendation and to convince Starfleet. She is willing to convince the Vulcans that Archer has made lots of great decisions, and she asks if he's willing to convince Starfleet. Archer notes that this has to be the first time that a Vulcan has tried to cheer up a human. <laughs> I liked that, especially. I think it was like an interesting little moment between them. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, in sick bay, Flox is packing up while Trip hangs out. Flox is optimistic about everything, which is driving Trip crazy. <laughs> in Arthur's quarters, Archer goes to bed. He calls for Porthos, but Porthos doesn't respond. Archer turns on the light again, only to find himself in a different bedroom. He's back in his domicile on Earth. Trip calls and tells him work is going to take longer than expected so Archer can sleep in, which Archer knew was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archer invites Trip to breakfast to the place Trip was just about to suggest. It turns out that Archer is 10 months in the past, but he's not buying that his time on Enterprise was just a dream. Archer calls information about Flox, but he didn't know that Flox existed before they brought Clang in, which was in the episode Broken Bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly, Crewman Daniels, who was last seen in the episode Cold Front, wherein he was killed, mm-hmm. uh, vaporized. Uh, he appears and tells Archer that he's not dreaming. Daniels brought him back 10 months so that he could speak to him in private, away from other factions. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bit there about um, Archer asking well if i'm here then who um he says something about you know if i'm here then who's going to sleep in the enterprise 10 months from now and he says oh no one is because that hasn't happened yet so they imply that he's brought his consciousness back into his past body mm-hmm. i guess <laughs> it's implied i don't know specifically stated time travel is a weird thing mm-hmm. or if you're vulcan you don't believe in it exactly which- which Let's we'll, hear more about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll hear more about that in a second. Uh, Daniels tells Archer that the Paragon incident wasn't supposed to happen. It was never recorded in history. Someone violated the temporal accord in order to make Enterprise's mission a failure. Mm. Back on Enterprise, Archer calls the senior staff to the Situation Room and tells Reed to go to Archer's quarters. T'Pol, Mayweather, Tripp, and Hoshi are waiting with Archer when Reed enters the Situation Room. He found a device right where they detected the EM signature. The device, which was designed to generate a plasma stream, was completely invisible, so he wants to know how Archer knew about it. Archer tells the senior staff to get ready and to return to the Paragon colony. As everyone's filing out, Archer tells Tripp that they didn't cause the explosion. In engineering, Archer's showing Trip some quantum engineering that's beyond what he's learned. Archer explains that Crewman Daniels told Archer what he needed to know. Elsewhere, Archer tells Hoshi and T'Pol that the Enterprise crew will be retrieving some Sulaban data disks. They're going to use the plasma stream emitting device, which is Sulaban technology, to help get the disks. As Archer's leaving, T'Pol informs him that the Vulcan ship they were supposed to meet is probably on their way, but Hoshi wouldn't know if they tried hailing because the comm is on the fritz, as Archer ordered earlier. Uh, later, Archer and Reed go to Daniel's quarters to get the schematics for the Silaban stealth cruiser. As Archer is searching for the schematics, uh, Reed sees schematics for Klingon ships. Archer wants to keep his word to Daniels that they'll only look for the stealth cruiser schematics, however. <laughs> because you can see all sorts of uh, future ships going by. Yeah, stuff that you'll see in Next Generation. <clears throat> yeah, I noticed uh, he pointed out Vulcan ships, but there were also some um, Starfleet ships from the distant future for Enterprise time frame. So it's very interesting. Uh, I would not be able to... Um, I would not be able to to resist the urge to go in there and look at them. You gotta be a man your word. If Daniel uh, yeah. says okay, okay. you can't look at 
You're not going to look at it. Got to make Daniels proud. In engineering, Trip is building the devices based on Daniels' instructions. T'Pol calls and tells Archer that they're close to the colony. Archer has Mayweather laying a course for a binary system 2.5 light years away. He then has Trip mount the devices on the grappler arms. On the bridge, Archer calls armory, wherein Reed is readying torpedoes. Archer tells Trip and T'Pol to go to the launch bay, then activates the beacons, the devices that Daniels gave the schematics for, mm-hmm. uh, the ones Trip was working on. Um, these beacons are used to spot cloaked Suluban ships. The Enterprise flies closer to this Suluban ship that's docked. Um, Reed fires phasers, disabling the cloaking generator, uh, which reveals the cruiser. He then fires a torpedo. In Shuttlepod 2, Archer meets up with Trip and T'Pol. They fly to the Suluban ship and dock. They enter the enemy vessel and use stun grenades to knock out some of the cloaked Suluban who are hanging on the ceiling. T'Pol guides them using the schematics they downloaded. As they go through some hallways, they get fired upon by some more Suluban. They fight their way to their goal, a room filled with computer terminals. Archer grabs the data disks. More Suluban show up and surround the team. Reed fires the Enterprise's phasers at the ship, taking out some of the Suluban. Archer, T'Pol, and Trip make it back to the shuttle pod, but a couple of Suluban follow them. Uh, the pod can't detach, but Trip goes to full power, and the shuttle pod breaks free. The Suluban go flying out in space. <laughs> uh, that was kind of comical, yeah. Uh, Archer calls Mayweather and tells him to set a course for the Vulcan ship and to be ready to jump to warp four as soon as the shuttle pod is aboard. On the bridge, T'Pol and Hoshi have figured out how to read the disks. The stealth cruiser was at the Paragon colony observing Enterprise very closely. Archer is shocked to see just how close the Suluban got to the Enterprise without being detected. They got so close that they could dock onto the shuttle pod and attach the plasma stream emitting device. Mm. Archer calls Admiral Forrest and tells them that they have solid evidence to prove their innocence. At the Suluban HQ, Silic is talking to the shadowy man. The shadow man wants Archer, but wants Silic to leave the Enterprise alone. In Archer's ready room, Archer explains to Paul about Daniels. T'Pol insists that time travel is impossible. He needs her to believe that he traveled through time. Uh, suddenly, Reed calls and tells him to get to the bridge because they're having trouble balancing the warp field. It goes slightly out of alignment every once in a while. Archer tells them to load torpedoes and to deploy the beacons. They look behind the ship and see a lot of Suluban pods following them. As Archer tells Reed to charge the phase cannons, Enterprise gets a hail from Silic. Silic warns him against firing on the Suluban as a bunch of Suluban ships, all armed with high-yield particle weapons, decloak around the Enterprise. Silic orders Archer to board one of the Suluban ships or else Enterprise will be destroyed. Archer puts T'Pol in command and tells her to keep an open mind about what might seem impossible. He tells Trip to, uh, to back T'Pol up, and he asks Hoshi to look after Porthos. No cheese, he says, as he boards the turbo lift. I think they they must re- realize how like funny that has become. <laughs> like his whole cheese cheese problem. Well, it's a double entendre, right? Archer is a cheesy guy. Maybe he just oh. no cheese. <laughs> this episode had no cheese. 
uh, Archer gets off the turtle lift and ends up in a wrecked building. Silic calls Enterprise and tells Sapal that Archer has 30 seconds left to get to the Suleban ship. Trip sees that the turbo lift is empty and he can't see Archer's biosigns. All the Suleban ships target the Enterprise's warp core. Meanwhile, Archer is walking through some wreckage and looks outside at destroyed buildings. Daniels appears and tells Archer that he was ordered to bring Archer here because the timeline wouldn't be safe if he boarded the Suleban ship. Here, as it turns out, is the 31st century. Daniels tells Archer that he can't go back because the time portals have been destroyed in this new timeline. Archer and Daniels are stranded in this desolate world as the episode and season ends with a to-be-continued. Wow. See, that was a much more exciting uh, description of what happened (laughs) (laughs) in the episode. Um, What did you think? I actually like this one because it uh, came back to, it looped around to a lot of the temporal Cold War stuff, Mm -hmm. which I was most interested in uh, before. I mean, kind of the main arc of the show so far, and they didn't, thankfully, didn't just forget about it. I mean, it really did cap, I mean, it's, it's clearly not over. But uh, it reminded us that this is a serious plot line that is definitely going to get some more attention. What did you think of kind of the the stakes in this episode? I mean, obviously we know, I mean, we think we know that things uh, get resolved. But I actually felt like there are parts of this where I was on the edge of my seat, I guess is a little too extreme. But I was definitely not sure where it was going which is pretty uncommon so far for Enterprise. <laughs> uh, what parts in particular? Oh, just, um, you know, like especially the, the beginning when they had um, basically ravaged this planet and killed almost 4,000 people. Um, you know, I, I obviously I didn't think that it was their fault, um, but, I mean, it was pretty heavy stuff. And I just kept thinking, you know, like, how, how are they going to get out of this? You know, like, how are they going to resolve this? And when they started talking about ending the mission, um, and kind of everything that, that the people were going through, I mean, definitely Archer's was kind of overplaying it, you know, <laughs> like really, really distraught. Um, but I, I just wasn't sure what was going to happen. And so when, um, Daniel's shows up. Well, when he, when Archer turns the light on and he's in another room, I was like, uh, okay. Is the Q like the Q continuum here? Like what's <laughs> going on? But it was Daniel's. So I guess I should have seen that, that coming, but I did not spoil anything in advance <laughs> for this episode. Right. Um, no, I, I thought it was a really memorable episode. You know, I felt like there were things that happened in it that, you know, I, I'll think back at this episode and think like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, when, when that happened, when he wakes up in the room and it's his old room from 10 months ago, when the ship is surrounded by all the Suleban uh, pods, uh, him looking out over this ruined uh, cityscape. Uh, I think, so were they basically saying, was Daniel saying that, he was given information that he needed to bring Archer there. Right. Because otherwise things wouldn't go well. But But the timeline went 
bad anyway. Clearly it went bad. So he was like, I got some bomb information, basically. I mean, maybe it's the Shadow Man who's playing both sides. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe the Shadow Man, we're going to find out, is part of um, part of the Starfleet faction of the Temporal Cold War. Because the Shadow why. Man wanted Enterprise left alone, so Enterprise mm-hmm. still needs to continue its mission. Mm-hmm. Weird. But they... Hmm. But let's, I'm trying to think through this. So they planted the thing there so that Enterprise would get recalled. But then he wants Enterprise not destroyed. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of intrigue and we'll see what, where it goes. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously part one. Yeah, I'm, I will say that I am really excited to see part two. Mm-hmm. So that says something, I think. Um, so some notes, by the way, um, that I read on Memory Alpha after watching this episode. Um, some interesting things. Um, the first was that they had originally planned to reveal the identity of the shadowy man uh, in this episode, but they guess, thought better of it. They thought it was too soon. Um, it was also the first, um, the first Star Trek series to have a season, um, and on a such a cliffhanger, hmm. supposedly, but that doesn't really make sense because didn't um, TNG end on Locutus? Yeah, best of both worlds. Let me see what they say about this. Uh, the other kind of minor but mildly uh, amusing slash interesting factoid that I found was that this was the final um, installment of a Star Trek show to be issued on VHS. <laughs> So it has that distinction. Uh, what did you think of season one as a whole? Um, it was varied. <laughs> a lot of ups it, and downs. Lots of yeah, more downs than ups. Peaks and valleys, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, there were, you know, I can look back and say, you know, that there were some, there was some definite high points. Um, the uh, Andorran uh, incident uh, being one of them. Um, Broken Bow, I still, I think the pilot was still good. It was still pretty strong. Uh, this one was, uh, was another, another great one. I liked the episode, um, where Flocks, you know, it really focused on Flocks Mm -hmm. and you had his kind of budding relationship. Um, but yeah, it was not a, um, not an extremely even season. No. Um, what did you think? Yeah, it was uh, very, it was varied. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, I will say overall, it was better than I was anticipating. Um, when I had first seen Enterprise, which was just the pilot, I was very against the idea of this show. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, of Enterprise in general, yeah, or just, of revisiting it. <laughs> no, the idea of just Enterprise in general, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it was just, it felt like they were trying to cater to a broader audience and not the Star Trek audience, which is fine. I mean, it's an mm-hmm. admirable goal, but they were kind of going about it the wrong way. I mean, just look at the theme song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the show itself was not even called Star Trek Enterprise at first; it was just called Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I think um to th- to that point that you just made the this episode um really felt like a different show it felt more like a 
TNG DS9 Star Trek show, for sure. Um, it didn't feel like that they, they were trying to cater with this one. It felt very much for the fans. Um, so I'm not sure if it's a sign of, you know, if we're going to see more of this where it's retooled a bit more to focus on the hardcore Star Trek fans. Um, but you're right. There was a lot though of, um, kind of over explaining things that, any fan of the show would know like what a Klingon is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> things about Klingons. I mean, it can be cool to encounter Klingons for the first time, that sort of thing. But I mean, I don't think they need to go into such, uh, you know, go or, or fringy, you know, they don't need to go into such detail for longtime fans. And I really, I don't know how many people who had never watched Star Trek before by this point in the series had, we're we're still watching it, right? You know? Right. I want it. I want to think it was mostly people like us who were fans of the the franchise. But yeah, I mean, I want to say that even though at the time I had dismissed the show, I mm-hmm. do find myself enjoying it. And I like. Yeah. I like the cast a lot, actually. Yeah, I've I've definitely. I mean, I think I'm like you in that I I just. I think I only watched the first two or three episodes back when it first aired and was just like, nah, I'm, nah, this isn't for me. Um, and now I'm finding it to be entertaining and I do like a lot of the characters and I feel like they've improved a lot of the characters. I mean, Hoshi was unbearable. Yeah. In the first couple of episodes. She's come a long way and now. And now I'm like, oh yeah, I like Hoshi. She's fine. Like they really don't, they don't have her do very much, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not like, oh my gosh, get this character off the screen. Um, Archer has gotten less, um, insufferable, <laughs> insufferable and preachy. <laughs> I mean, especially in this episode, um, he's just more kind of like, I'm going to get stuff done. Like, this is important. I'm going to do these things that, that I've been kind of let in on. Uh, and then when he goes to, um, when he goes to leave the ship, it was it felt very captain esque, like very selfless. Mm-hmm. Like this is for the the good of the crew and the ship. I'm gonna go turn myself over. Right. You know. Uh, um, Trip has been great throughout. Yeah, Flo- yeah Trip is c- consistent. Flocks has been great throughout. Yeah, except when we had to see his weird, like childish face <laughs> when he woke got woken up. Uh, actually, in an we'll- episode. Uh, hmm? uh, no, go ahead. I was gonna say in that episode that apparently was supposed to be very funny. Uh, yeah. The, the last one that we talked mm. about. And was also directed by Michael Dorn. Oh, yes. that's a shame. No, right? Anyways, you were going to say? Uh, I like T'Pol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find her actually funny, like genuinely funny in her reactions to yeah. situations. Yeah. I was not expecting that. I didn't care for her at first. I think for me, the the real kind of question mark still is Mayweather. He's not a character yet. No, he's just still very much just kind of like, ooh, the spunky pilot guy. Of the, not even that spunky, I guess. I mean, they haven't given him much to do. Mm-hmm. Even in the last episode we talked about, like, they never showed him rock climbing. It was just like, no. he went off to rock climb. Oh, he got injured. Yeah, he was talking about this cool sounding rock climbing thing where this cliff actually changed as you climbed it. 
And I was like, oh, I want to see that. And then, you know, I guess they're... Uh, the other thing I read about the last episode we watched was that the budget had been really constrained by this point. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's one of the reasons why we didn't see more. More things didn't happen. But anyways. Uh, and Reed has become a more fascinating character. Oh, yeah. I like Reed a lot. I like Reed. I I think that there's a cool dynamic between... Well, there's a there's the dynamic between um, Archer and Trip. But then there's also one between Reed and Trip. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it wouldn't quite be where it's at if they hadn't had the Shuttle Pod 1 episode, which I didn't really care for that much. But you can see that it had a lasting effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, you can see that you you really get the sense that everything that the crew has been through with um, to Paul, that that is actually had an effect on her character i mean the fact that she's interact with her character the fact that she's willing to stand up to the vulcan high council to defend enterprise when at first yeah yeah. when at first she was basically just like i don't want to be here you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i mean it's nice to see how these characters grow Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm excited to i'm excited to see more of it yeah i'm see what happens i'm i mean this cliffhanger did a good job of making me want to see how it wraps up Oh, and so I want to want to correct myself. I misread something. It's not the first, clearly not the first uh, cliffhanger season finale. It is the first cliffhanger season finale for the first for a first season of a Star Trek mm. show. So they did uh, the the Borg Locutus cliffhanger was later in TNG's run, right? Um, but they've never. This was the first time they'd ever ended the first season on a cliffhanger. So. Um, I guess it's good that it got picked back up. (laughs) (laughs) For at least three more seasons, anyway. Exactly, yeah. Well, we have some more to watch, I guess. Yeah. Um, So, next time we meet, uh, which will probably be not... I mean, which will probably not be next week. Mm. Because we got Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, and we've got uh, Fanime. Um... But yeah, we'll talk about uh, Shockwave Part Two mm-hmm. and Carbon Creek. Carbon Creek. Hmm. I'm intrigued just by that title. Not as intrigued as I am to see what happens with this whole temporal cor- Cold War stuff. All right. Well, folks, thanks for uh, listening along with us (laughs) uh wait viewing along with us yes they're listening to us we're not listening well we're listening to you you can reach out to us uh justin's at the justin cheng on twitter and i'm at danger penguin but thanks for watching along with us yeah Uh, we hope you're uh we hope you're enjoying enterprise as much as we are yeah which is a lot more than when we first started that is for (laughs) sure uh yeah thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later Bye, folks.